It's raining. I'm in Chiswick, West London, and I've forgotten my umbrella. But that's not dampening my excitement in meeting the amazing Henry and Ian, also known as Bosch. I've seen them on TV, I've received one of their cookbooks for Christmas, but haven't heard too much about their story before. So I can't wait. I know that this one is going to be a goodie. I'm Holly Tucker, and welcome to Conversations of Inspiration. I'm the founder of Not on the High Street and Holly & Co, and I'm the UK ambassador of Creative Small Businesses. I believe that having a business, doing what you love, is the key to a happy, fulfilled life. And my dream is to help everybody start theirs. So I've reached out to all my favourite small businesses, acclaimed entrepreneurs, and those who just simply inspire me, and asked them to share theirs. With thanks to our sponsor, NatWest, who have helped bring this free podcast to life. Here are my conversations of inspiration. Bow your head and let your eyelids close on down Where we're going you won't need to bring your frown You will find that all the things that I have said Hi guys, so lovely to meet you both. I feel like I know you already though. I've seen you on the sides of buses, your cookbooks are everywhere and I love following you on Insta. And now, your TV stars. How's Hello. that feel? It feels amazing and it's an absolute pleasure to be here. Yeah. Oh. Oh, what an introduction, thank you very much. Oh well, thank you. And you've done so seriously well and just huge congratulations to you both. It's unbelievable to think, and we're going to talk about this, but you're right at the start of your journey and yet all of this amazingness has happened mm, to you yeah, both. Yeah. And so I can only imagine if we talk again in 10 years time, well, who knows where you'll yeah. be? Who knows? I'd love to start with your stories. What led you to where you are now? You've been friends since you were the age of 11, growing up in Yorkshire. And Henry, what were you both like at school? Were you passionate about food or was this something that came later? Mm. I was always passionate about food. My mum taught me to cook. So I remember her teaching me to cook a veggie lasagna. So she taught me how to cook those. I remember Jamie Oliver's books. And so I love cooking and I've always loved cooking, always collected cookbooks. But I don't think I was like particularly a foodie Mm. in school. Mm. I was too busy playing drum and bass and trying to put on nights. And I was probably quite a naughty boy. Although outside of being a naughty boy at school and being a bit cheeky, the main reason I was cheeky was because I was probably a bit bored in the Mm. lessons and um, did quite well in school, despite the fact I didn't go. That often. Mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, I have no children listening to this. This is yeah. going to be okay. And yourself? Um, when it comes to food, I mean, yeah, I wasn't ever that bothered about cooking in my early years, but I was very bothered about eating and could definitely appreciate a good meal. I remember always going around to my mother's parents' house, my grandparents' house, we both passed away now, but my grandmother was a wonderful cook and going around to their house in Gunthorpe in Lincolnshire, roast dinner there would just be a, a big event and it would be unbelievable and it was really, really nice. So I learned very early on how good food could be, but I think my love of cooking came when I moved into my own house at the age of 22. So that was that. And then with regard to how I was at school, I was pretty good boy, actually. I was a really, I was pretty, I was, you were like I was the opposite. Of yeah, me. I was, you were like good and you never missed yeah. a day. And <laughs> yeah. I was naughty and I missed yeah. lots of days. But it, it, do you know what happened? It was at the last, the final hurdle just before year 11 started. I kind of started growing a beard quite early, started going out to nightclubs quite early and started getting really into everything apart from my studies and therefore the studies kind of failed so I, I, I walked out with GCSEs and that was that was kind of it but only five of them and then went to college. And Henry upon leaving school you started up your own tech company in which Ian was your first employee almost the testing grounds for your business now you obviously both had strong entrepreneurial tendencies. Yeah so I mean there was about 10 years in between the two of working in jobs that I hated. Ah. So, yeah, I, it wasn't straight from school into a uh, So you didn't go from being bad boy, drum and bass, straight into tech entrepreneur. No. <laughs> so How nice that, that would have That would have been. been a nice story. I feel like a lot of people gloss over the hard times in their life, don't they, and just tell the, the hero's journey, yeah. but there was a lot of pain. So there was a decade of not doing a decade of rubbish do. jobs, yeah. So I went and worked in a website in the year 2000, and was it 2001? What did we... No, it'd be 2003. Mm. So I was working in a website back then. So it was just, you know, yeah. the kind of dot-com yeah. bubble had yes. burst, but it was 
pre-Facebook, the early days of the web. And I spent 10 years working in and around websites, digital media, digital content. And I learned how corporate bosses speak. I sat around the table with, you know, all the directors and all the important people who really didn't care about their jobs. Yes. Um, and I did that whole nine to five rat race stuff. And inside, I, I think I was dying a little bit. But actually, it taught me some really valuable lessons along the way. And then I also learned, most importantly, what I didn't want from my life, which was to be slogging my guts out for the man or the woman, because mm -hmm. some of them are headed up by women, which is a good thing, but I still don't want to work there. Yeah. So I learned what I didn't want. And with after about 10 years of putting up with that, I just felt driven to build something for myself so I could use Gmail to do emails instead of using Lotus Notes, by the way. <laughs> God, I yeah, that. I could, they were. They so were, yeah, yeah. They were still using it. I'm not going to mention who it was, but but you know, I wanted my own destiny. I wanted to be in charge of my own destiny. So I built a company. It was going to be the Instagram for music, which is a bit glib when you think about it now. But at the time, it sounded like yeah. it made a lot of sense. So I raised a bit of money into that. Ian came and joined. And do you want to talk about your perspective on that? Yeah, sure thing. Yeah, um, I had um, moved down to London with my girlfriend at the time to work in a menswear company. Uh, that company had come to a close. Can I, so I was kind of a bit like, oh, I'm going to find something else. I was looking at various other sort of fashion uh, houses to go and work in. And then Henry was like, well, I'm doing this thing. And I'd seen him being beavering away on it like um, every evening for, for the time that we had been living together. So I was like, this, it does sound like a great idea. We get along really well. I think um, I could probably learn a lot here and also actually offer some value in the company as well. So um, I was like, yeah, why not? I'll come and do, I'll come and do this. And uh, yeah, that was a pretty wild ride. It was. Um, it started <laughs> sure out was. with. So it, initially, the company started out with Henry beavering away um, in the evenings at home after having a full day's work, and then it started with me and him both doing that at the flat. And then it was going to a various coffee shops, and then the Google Google Campus Google Campus like at Old free Street Cafe. Yes, yes. People mm -hmm. doing exactly this. Yeah. So tap tap tapping away, just like doing our thing, and then it went from that to an office within the. Google campus and then that's when the team started to kind of like grow and then uh, I think it, it's heaviest point about a year after that there were about 20 people yeah more maybe, yeah. maybe nearly 30 yeah 30 people point. yeah, yeah. It, it was it was incredibly um fast-paced environment we'd learned a lot and uh yeah look back with fond memories <laughs> yeah it's good wow yeah. wow that was a wild ride it yeah. was really well being taking something from two of you tapping away in a coffee shop to 30 people yeah, within yeah. a year yeah. is not for the faint-hearted it's not and and so there you are building your tech dream and it was after watching a documentary on netflix that your life changed is this right yes can you tell me about this story yeah so um i think that company was a crash course in how not to run a business. Okay, so learned so many lessons and, um, you know, raised a lot of money, built a big team, built really good technology, actually, but we hadn't found the user desire. We hadn't done what you did so successfully and, like, found product market fit. So I think it became time to wind things down gracefully. And winding things down gracefully took about 18 months. And in that wind-down period, I remember thinking to myself – Actually, this has been amazing. It's been the single best thing I've ever done in my whole life. So glad I left that corporate job yep. and then went on to build something for myself. However, there's been something missing here, which was purpose, meaning. And, and, and I want to do this again, but the next time it has to actually mean something, not just be an mm -hmm. idea that might or mm -hmm. might not work. So I was big into Elon Musk and the environment, my mm -hmm. parents were activists. My, the environment has always been really important to me. And I was frustrated that the government weren't doing more about climate change. I felt like that was the big burning issue of our time. And, and, and I wanted to try and do something with business to reduce climate change. So I was looking at, I like to ride motorbikes. I was looking at electric motorbikes or maybe electric charging stations, electric cars, and just kind of generally milling around the space. We were both living together. Ian had gone vegan. And I thought that was completely ridiculous. And I remember mocking him about that. But then he put, our, our mate Adam, actually, Adam Biddle had also gone vegan. And he told us about this film called Cowspiracy, which we watched on the big screen. 
And the number one message in that film is that actually animal agriculture is the largest cause of climate change. Now, you can debate whether it's number one, two or three, but it's definitely on level parring with Mm -hmm. transport. And that was absolute revelation to me. I had no idea that that was the truth. I went vegan overnight because I just couldn't believe it. And in why did you turn vegan in the first place? So, okay, every kind of... At the beginning of every year, for about the past 10 years, I've always kind of given myself a little bit of a challenge at the beginning of the year to kick the year off in a positive way. And a really good way to do that is to have it with a clear head. And a good way to have a clear head is to not be hungover. So I was like, I'm going to give up alcohol for the first three months of 2015. And one month into that abstinence from alcohol, I thought that was far too easy. So I looked at my diet and realised that meat was on my plate and the breakfast and lunch and basically dinner it's like three times a day mm-hmm. every day every week all the time so I was like maybe I'll give this vegetarian thing a whirl and then kind of started um, finding out about like the processes used in animal agriculture and that really didn't sit very well with me and then also found out about like the the health aspects about like a vegetarian diet and the vegan diet so I started doing a bit more reading into that and then I watched a film called Earthlings, which is narrated by Joaquin Phoenix, and it's a film about um, like the the bad side of animal agriculture, factory farming processes, and it really it, I, I was teary eyed. It was it really shook me to the core, and I was like, I don't want a part of that. So at the end of February of 2015, I was like, I'm going to give this vegan thing a whirl, and within two weeks of of being vegan, like the weight was dropping off me. I was waking up fresher in the morning. My hair was getting thicker. My skin was getting clearer. I was getting more clarity in the way that I was looking at the world and um, about two weeks after that kind of part Henry and I sat down and watched um, Cowspiracy and yeah and then he went vegan overnight it's so powerful what we're talking about because and I'm sure everybody's listening has been thinking about this you mm. know we they maybe haven't made the switch or the change but in a way I reckon if we ask that question to anyone listening in five years time yeah the monumental shift I would say is going to happen and then after that you decided to set up Bosch the the, the light bulb moment of your business Um, tell me how that idea came about and was it as quickly created as your first business it was probably about as quickly created as the first business but it wasn't that quick and neither was the previous one I think both of them took about 18 months evenings and weekends yeah and I get asked about this a lot by people and it, my advice will always be if you're looking to build something, don't just quit your job so you can find yeah. the time to focus on yeah. it. Spend 18 months working evenings and weekends on it. Spend a long time batting out your idea before you actually take the plunge. So it took 18 months probably. Now, initially I was thinking about vegan ready meals and mm-hmm. making a subscription delivery mm-hmm. service for vegan ready meals. And it would have been a good business idea. At the same time, I was, I just met a guy called JP and uh, his brother Alex, and they were working on a kind of similar business idea called All Plants. And he did end up doing frozen ready meals, and they've made a massive success of that. Mm. But I just remember thinking, I don't want to do this. Mm. It's too much hard work. Mm. The way to kick that business off was would be like make a kitchen cook loads of ready meals, Mm. start delivering them yourself. Mm. Then scale that up, do supper clubs, refine Mm. the process, keep doing that. I just did not want to do Mm. that much work. What Mm. I wanted to do was think of a more more scalable solution. Mm. Um, Given I had a background in digital media and how scalable video is, Facebook at the time was rife with beautiful, simple videos. Short form video was just exploding on Facebook. And I just thought that's where my opportunity lies. It's getting the information out there, building an audience of people and then working out how to transact with them later on, but not worrying about that to begin with. So, yeah, it took it took 18 months of hard graft going in and out of one idea and then finally coming into another idea, which was digital media. Ian didn't want to come down at first, did you? And join me on it. Yeah, because no. In the end, um, yeah, in our kind of um, period between the last business and Bosch starting, I discovered veganism, got really into it and thought I want to work in this space. But for me, it was a bit more kind of obvious approach. So I was like, I'm going to move back to Sheffield. I'm going to find a small spot in a decent area. I'm going to open a vegan cafe mm-hmm. uh, and I'm actually physically going to give yeah. the food to the people. Yeah. So I actually went back to Sheffield and one of my good friends, Joe. So we had gone far, reasonably far down the line with uh, writing a little business 
business plan and uh, finding like potential spots. And it, it, it was looking like it was going to happen, right? And then Henry was on the blower to me saying, listen, I've had this idea about setting up a vegan cafe, but for the whole world online. And I was like, that, <laughs> that, no, like I, I'm too far down the line with what I'm doing here. I don't, I think, I think thanks for the offer, but I'm actually going to leave it. And then a week later, he called me back and was like, listen, this is, I think this is the one. And I think you and I have done this before in the digital space. I think we can do something really cool together. I think you should come back. So I was like, do you know what? I'm going to give it a whirl. So I, I moved back down, moved back into the, into the flat, into the old room. And um, yeah, about a week after me coming back to London, uh, we had our first shoot, which was crazy. I want to just pick on a point, which is when you have an idea everything seems possible. Mm. So that little moment where you said, you know what, we could create that subscription box. We, that's the model. And the, what will happen is I'll get a kit, you know, get a kitchen and we'll do this. And then what will happen is we'll have stuff and then we'll have to have warehouses and then we'll have to have this world. So you visualize straight through into that, saw yourself five years in and went, I don't want to do that. <laughs> and I think that is the thing, really, that definitely the difference between when I started Not in the High Street. Yeah. I definitely wanted to do it. But I never knew what I know now. But actually then taking it all the way through, you know, that naivety that you have to have to start something was mm. there. Whereas with Holly & Co, I can see 10 years time and I'm so comfortable yeah. with where that is going. Mm-hmm. That's my path. And I think that that's a tip here is that you can maybe do two or three things like sliding doors that you'll be very successful in. Mm. Visualize all of them and work out who you are and how happy you will actually be. Because knowing that you can do it doesn't mean you should do it. Exactly right. Now, if you haven't done the 18 months of shit, basically, at nighttime, waking up at two o'clock, you know, going to bed at two, getting up and doing that... You need to fall in love with something Mm. quite a lot, don't you, to get you out of bed to do these things. So if you have that love and 18 months of commitment outside, you're going to love it when you can do it full time. Yes, yes, yes. You know, so it's a great dating court. You know, you're you're dating your business, aren't you, for a bit. And actually, if they piss you off, you can actually dump them. Um, And no one else knows about it. We're proud to partner with NatWest. They support small businesses in so many ways. Just one of these ways is through Backer Business. This programme will match fund up to a million pounds a year, creating hundreds of successful applicants when they crowdfund through Backer Business. Listen to the end of this podcast to find out more. With a continued commitment to small businesses, NatWest, in a world first, give away the rest of this ad break space to small businesses and independents. They truly believe in the power of small and want to give you the opportunity to showcase your business to hundreds and thousands of listeners. So without further ado, let me hand over to this week's NatWest Independent Ad Break winner. When planning a wedding, brides can spend months thinking about the perfect wedding dress, the right shade of flowers and far too many days thinking about the font of invites. But one trick I think brides are missing out on is the power of words at weddings. My name's Heidi Ellert-McDermott and I'm the founder of Speechy. I've gathered together an elite team of TV scriptwriters to help people like you write an amazing wedding speech, one that's guaranteed to add an awesome moment to your day. In my TV days, I've worked with a range of celebs, but now I'm on a mission to get more women on the wedding speech lineup. From personal experience, I know a rocking speech will get much more compliments than that dress as well as a bespoke speech writing service for dads and grooms as well as brides and mums. We also have a lot of modern speech advice. So visit us at speechy.co.uk and decorate your wedding with words. If you'd like to take NatWest up on their generosity and be listened to by thousands of people, take that leap of faith and send in your small business advert to independentadbreaks at holly.co. We're looking for the wonderful stories that only small businesses have and have created more information on exactly what we're looking for on our website, holly.co. 
your first video went out 17th of June 2016, it went viral and within a week of going live it had 3.5 million views. Okay, so, I mean, what? Did you know that? Did you know that that was going to happen? Because, you know, you go onto YouTube, don't you? And you see great videos. And then you look at the views and it's like 18 views. And you mm. go, oh, that poor person went in so much hard work. Mm. They got 18 views. Yeah. Did you know it was going to go big? I don't think we knew, but we had definitely done a lot of groundwork to support that outcome. So we had made the video exactly in the style that was that seemed to be going viral for other people's videos. There was this channel called BuzzFeed Tasty. Yes. yes. And they just started doing these hands-on cooking videos. There was another one that was run by a friend of ours. Um, and he actually kind of helped the business out at the beginning. And he had a channel called Twisted and they were doing these videos too. And they actually showed us how to make these videos. So we'd, we'd like learn how to make these videos perfectly. Then... We had friends, we'd we'd engaged channels that were on social media because at the time you could like share people's Facebook posts. So we'd got loads of people lined up to share those posts. We also got loads of animal charities lined up to share the posts as well. So like PETA, Animal Equality, they've been so helpful. And that's a nice thing about the vegan space actually is everyone wants to help everyone else because if they're anything like us, we don't have competition that are vegans. Because they're mm -hmm. our allies. Mm -hmm. Like the competition is the status quo. Most people think like that. Not everybody does. Some people do want to be the only vegan in the village. <laughs> but by, by and large, we're all helping each other. We're, we're trying to change yeah. the world. Whether it's for yeah. the environment, for the health of humanity or for the animals. So they all shared it. So we'd made these cool videos. We'd aimed for viral recipes. We'd made a beautiful video style. And we got loads of people to help us share those videos do that so you had planned it because i read that you spent hours and hours making that video filming production creativity your passion for video was in this mix and it's why i couldn't wait to talk to you both about video and digital especially in business you know youtube was founded 15 years ago and we have seen this huge level of fame of people literally starting out from their bedrooms and broadcasting themselves to the world zoella tanya burr alfie days all becoming these global phenomenons, turning their content into business, being digital media entrepreneurs. So it's a fascinating time, isn't it? And yet it is still quite an uncharted territory when it comes to small businesses. I mean, if, if it feels like we're still very much at the beginning. Yeah. We're certainly, you know, at Holly & Co, we, we keep dabbling into it. And yet... You know, actually, if I want to wake myself up, you know, by 2021, that's next year, 80% of the world's internet traffic will be video or in terms of what people are calling on. You know, your searches will be for video. Can you tell me what advice you'd have for small businesses listening who are feeling a little bit nervous right now? Mm -hmm. Tell me what advice you could share about this world and how important it is, do you feel? Is it the backbone of your company? Mm, good question. It is a good question. Okay, so like, so say if someone's thinking about uh, setting up a business and they're doing digital video, but it's not doing that well, I would suggest that like review your strategy and just always make sure that every video you put out actually gives the watcher value like provide things that they need because the reason why we've been so wildly successful on with social media video is because everything that we put out it's entertainment one but it's also an education so we i've kind of coined the expression edutainment right edutainment, edutainment. i've heard that before yeah yeah well maybe for, uh, well anyway we've heard it here first yeah. edutainment <laughs> this is the first time mm -hmm. for sure yeah and yeah i think no one's going to sit and watch something uh, if it's like they might sit and watch it once they might sit one watch one of your videos but if they take nothing away from it they're not going to watch anything more um and the most valuable thing in the whole world right now is human attention right so if you're putting out content don't just think oh i'm going to put one video out and then two weeks later i'm going to put another video out and then two weeks after that i'm going to put another video out it's like no just like just go hell for leather put as much content out as is humanly possible make sure everything you put out is value and also try and like get as many kind of different mediums as possible do youtube 
do Facebook, do Twitter, do Instagram, do TikTok, do the rest of them as well, and also do LinkedIn. But try not to do the same thing on every platform. It's a gargantuan amount of work. However, like the like a piece of content in Instagram can take you as long as it takes to film, just fifteen seconds of yeah, you, you saying something it easy inside your head. For yourself, can't you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, YouTube videos. It might take a long time to edit it to make it look beautiful, but. If it good is better than perfect, so do as much as possible and make sure it's value provision at every single level. I'd also add to that, and I'd say I think you're doing exactly the right thing with Holly and Co. Uh, actually, there's a bit of a question for me and Ian mm-hmm. uh, because historically we've been Bosch, mm-hmm. but our TV show is Henry and Ian present Living on the Veg, and I think putting the person at the front of it is really valuable in today's day and age. So you look at someone who's winning on YouTube like Logan Paul or KSI or any of those people and it's it's about their name and it's about the person. So I almost think if you're building a small business and if you're looking to have content driving a lot of those product sales, you should be really thinking carefully about whether or not you are the figurehead for that business because then you are empowered to talk across all those different mm-hmm. channels because people don't want to listen to brands talking on mm. YouTube as much yeah, or Instagram so and as much. I mean, it's, it's not really fascinating true. because also you, we all know there are people not necessarily that have the, I'm going to be kind here, mm. the skills or what it takes to be that center person, yeah. right? So actually you've got a great product or, you know, it, do we feel that video is essential for brands moving forward as a, one of the main tools? If we look at what we've just talked about, the searches, if 80% of searches are going to be video. Yeah. 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 Definitely. I would say, yeah, get on it and get on it right away because if you don't, you're just going to be left behind. Um, like they say, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago and if not right the second (laughs) right now do it now yeah yeah Yeah. absolutely i think even like facebook and instagram advise you to uh design for mobile and build for video or something like that Mm -hmm. they're saying you should be thinking about video that is their base Mm. number one advice for what anybody should be doing online because people want to hear people talking Mm. what do you think about small businesses and people who don't feel like they're the star of the show so many people i know are introverted you know geniuses the idea of them being center you know on there you know is not going to happen so what about for those people you know i think brand ambassadors or people who believe in your mission or i'm the quiet one this one's going to do the talking maybe yeah there's um there's mob kitchen i don't know if you know them we know the guy who runs it a guy called ben liebus he's a lovely guy and what he does on his instagram channel if you you could go and check him out for an example of exactly what you're talking about is all of the team will be in the videos in the photos posing behind products if they're selling a product which they often do or or chatting on instagram stories so absolutely i guess if you're doing that mob kitchen have done really well in creating a brand that holds true it's students it's fun it's lively and maybe that enables them to have a clear yeah. compelling brand so story yeah. so you've got so to get got that, to work out that coherent story to allow yourself to not be that center of attention but it can't just be i yeah. just don't want to do it it can't just be yeah. random yeah. people yeah. talking uh, yeah. about their day <laughs> it needs to be within the, yeah. the scope absolutely. of the brand absolutely yeah. it's a good point point. and i hope you don't mind me asking this question but so many small businesses if they are taking this route i know and i am like one percent you're a hundred percent you know, know how much time content takes to mm-hmm. create. How do you make money from digital content? I think that really the digital content doesn't make us that much money on Facebook and YouTube. So until you get to the point where you've got millions and millions and millions and millions on YouTube, you're not going to be making enough to sustain a business from on-platform advertising. So that's not something that we focus on. Um, and I'm happy to speak quite candidly about this. We we do work with brands. Mm-hmm. So because we make food videos, it's mm. really easy for us to work with products that we like. Mm. So we will sometimes work with brands that we carefully handpick and use their products in our videos. And that will bring in a little bit of revenue. Um, but it's also not, it's not giant for us, I wouldn't say. And for the people who it is big for, they it almost feels like they're flogging themselves to death and that they're kind of actually wearing out their audience with too much advertising so we like to make sure as ian so eloquently said we like to make sure we're giving people content giving people free recipes 
probably nine times out of 10. And then one times out of 10, that recipe might include a branded product. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't overdo that. The books have been really good for us. Yeah. Uh, so we've managed to get a really good relationship with a really good publisher with, with HarperCollins, HQ. Um, so that's been really good for us. And I think something to do with the way Boss works as a name, as a word, it's quite brandy. And so it's doing quite well globally as well. So that's really helping. But actually, I wouldn't say we've been particularly good at monetizing. We've been better at keeping costs down. So there's just a few of us. We don't spend very much money. And we're mainly focused on buying ourselves time to keep operating. We don't take cash out of the business. We pay ourselves a salary and we're just buying ourselves time to keep going. What we are looking at now is we are looking at ways that we can hang out with people in a bit more of a premium fashion. So we've designed this incredible course. It's more of an online plan, actually, that we will essentially provide people personalized diet advice. And an extra angle of that is if you're going plant-based, you might want to think about your blood because you might be a bit low in calcium or iron or maybe B12. We're going to offer an add-on service, which is to get your blood tested, and then we'll give you recipes which are tailored to your personal blood and and essentially helping you build up iron in your bloodstream through diet. And I think that online platform format will be really good for us. Yes. I think too many people abuse it, though. You know, I, I see a lot of people building an online course for the sake of an online course. Often they're building an online course about how to build an online course, mm-hmm. yeah. which is essentially a pyramid scheme, uh, in my opinion. And obviously, because we've been researching this area, they show me those adverts. And I'm like, this is a guy selling a product. He's like on a beach in yeah, Thailand yeah, yeah. or yeah. something. If you'd like this life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do, what I do. do what I do, man. It's not yeah. true, man. It's, it's so disingenuous. <laughs> and I absolutely hate that. We have the utmost respect for our customers and audience. So for us, the only way we would allow ourselves to do that would be if we're providing real value. And that's why we're absolutely just focused on making sure we're thinking about their body essentially we're giving them food so we're nourishing them Mm. and treating that relationship with respect Mm. um but yeah that's that's pretty much all the revenue streams in our business and you've had four books now you've captured the zeitgeist obviously and as i said before i was speaking to the mindful chef founders on this podcast and we were talking about vegan statistics which Mm. i'm sure you both know inside and out but just to reiterate how much our diets have changed within the last few years veganism has rocketed in the uk over the past couple of years from an estimated half a million people in 2016 to more than 3.5 million five percent of our population today and that's from the year you started bosch with your website now regarded as one of the UK's most influential foodie sites with even a bigger boys now making changes including famously we've all seen Greg's and you know about introducing their vegan sausage roll and the share value of that company went up by 13% it shows you that the world is changing you obviously have to be looking at the future what do you see Mm, it's a good question Uh, I don't I don't think we get asked that very often. No. These are all great questions, yeah, by the really way. Well Your research out. is impeccable. Yeah. This is Thank by far <laughs> the best research podcast we've ever been on. 100%. So what an absolute pleasure. Um, I think that, uh, by the way, the three and a half million statistic, I'm not sure about that one because we wrote this. Oh, brilliant. We so wrote, that, you, our research is fantastic. Well, no, except our, you, you know, fucked up that little <laughs> I, I found the same one and we were going to put it in this book, How to Live Vegan, but our publisher wouldn't let us because they couldn't find a solid enough source. But then again, that was a year ago that we wrote that. So it is going in that direction. I think that what we're also seeing, as well as people going vegan, is just a blurring of the line. So there's going to be people who say they're vegan on weekends or they're vegan five days a week or they're having vegan breakfasts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We also actually, aside by the way, like to say that it's quite hard to even be completely vegan because Mm -hmm. the glue in these books in our mm. bookshelves may not mm. all be vegan or mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. face wash at a hotel yeah face or, or tv mm. yeah. it like so so you can get into a rabbit hole if you're not careful um and actually everything's just shades of gray but to answer your question 33% maybe in 5 to 10 years that are 
either mostly vegan or more vegan. Mm. At the moment, it's about 33% flexitarian. So that's 33% mm. that are reducing in the UK. So if that could go to 33% mostly vegan, we'd see a huge decrease in our carbon footprint. We'd see land able to be used for other things. Now, some people listening to this podcast might uh, say what we hear a lot, which is, well, there's lots of land in the UK that can't be used to grow crops. That may be true. I'm not a farming expert, but there are people growing crops underground now. There are people growing crops in high-rise buildings. There are clever people in the world. We can do stuff with land. So I would hope at 33% of us are moving in that direction. And the cool thing about that is there'll be more vegan options everywhere. There'll be mm -hmm. more vegan products mm -hmm. on the shelves. And it will make more sense for farmers or supermarkets to be prioritising these more carbon neutral or almost carbon neutral foods, or at least foods that have less carbon footprint. And also, hopefully, we'll be shopping a bit more local then as well, mm -hmm. because we will be producing more of this stuff in the UK. One thing I would like to just mention and what you think about it, and you must, you know, you're big on social media, you're, you have a lot of voice. This shaming thing that's going on, yeah. right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when you say I'm vegan, no, you're not really because you're now wearing leather shoes. Can you tell me about that? Because I think people get worried about going out and saying this is what I do. So we, we were on the radio just now and we talked about this. Someone phoned up, oh, yeah, a yeah. vegan phoned up and said, well, if Henry and Ian are vegan, then uh, how do they justify taking long haul flights? Mm. Shouldn't they be going flight free? And our answer to that, which is probably your answer to that question, is, look, we're trying to be better. We're not perfect. We do sometimes fly. We could make excuses and say it's for our job and we're promoting vegan food and therefore there's a counterbalance to that. Maybe that's true, maybe not. But actually, mm. maybe we should all be stopping pointing fingers at people, admitting that we're all trying to be better versions of ourselves and that none of us are perfect. And that's a much more honest approach. Uh, our friend um, Venetia Falconer, she has coined a good expression, which is a recovering hypocrite. Um, because she is essentially a sustainability activist who works largely in the kind of fashion space. And three years ago, four years ago, she was just like buying up all the clothes, going to Primark, getting everything cheap, whatever. And now she recognises the error of her ways and is trying her damnedest to uh, change her ways. Um, and people do come back and go, oh, but what about this? And what about that? What you used to do? And she's like, well, you, you, can, you can't change the past, but you can affect the future. And I think that's, um, I think all of us, we, we just have to sort of think really mindfully about our actions and our footprint. Yeah. So I think that, um, yeah, it, we're living so in true. difficult times. Hypocrite is a word mm. that is really worth us thinking about for a second, because I think it's David Wallace Wells yeah. in his book, what was that book called? Um, the Uninhabitable Earth. Earth. Yeah, that, that book, um, he says, yeah, I'm a hypocrite. Mm. That means I'm trying to be better and I think you should all be better than I am. Mm. And that's actually like a positive thing to say. Like, mm. I think the world How should be better than yeah. I am. Exactly. And that's true. Like, that we are yeah. all actually hypocrites. Yeah. We're all like living and breathing. And we basically can't do that without giving off some form of carbon. So in order for us to be able to reduce our carbon as a species and get ourselves out of this climate mess, we all need to appreciate we're all the problem yeah. and we all need to be thinking about how to be part of the solution, mm. but not mm. shaming other people who aren't doing it the same way we are. But it is about, isn't it? It's the kindness in which that we can support each other to maybe tackle the three or four things right at the top of the list yeah that will actually fundamentally change. And the sort of, the people that listen to this podcast are the sort of people who are going to have an entrepreneurial spirit, who are the sort of people who ultimately are going to change the world. And what we would suggest, or I would suggest, is pragmatic altruism is a good thing, right? So uh, you set up a business that is fundamentally going to, like, it's going to pay your bills, it's going to put a roof over your head, it's going to put food on your plate, but the business exists to help other people. So that, I think, if more people can adopt the mentality of pragmatic altruism, then the whole world will be in a lot better place. Couldn't agree more. It's why Holly and Co, we're on our B Corp um, journey at the moment. Yeah, nice. So we, fingers crossed, we'll get our, our, our certification this year. We've been talking about it. Can you help us? 100%. We'd love to Definitely. do a B Corp. Definitely. Yeah. Well, you should be, It's how right? we operate and, and yeah, anyway. And it's, you know what? It's a, 
unbelievably fantastic thing. And I would say in the future, there will be tax reliefs, everything. The government in about 10 years will wake up and actually this will be, but there's only 3,000 in the world. And every two years it gets harder to become one because they know it's going to become more popular. So I like that in itself as a clever thing. We need to get in there. So you you 100% and, and I'll help you. We've teamed up with our friends at Three and all year we'll be working together to make dreams come true. Share your dreams on social using hashtag Holly and Co Dreamer and who knows what will come true. With a Three Means business plan, I love that you can get up to £500 worth of benefits from their partners to help give your business a lift in those early days. Now over to a short story about those that dreamed big and flew. J.K. Rowling described her own status as poor as it's possible to be in modern Britain without being homeless. Destitute and living off benefits, she'd left her marriage with a three-month-old baby and was fighting a hard battle with depression. However, her burning passion was to write and at the age of 25, the story of Harry Potter suddenly filled her head. She had a premonition, a dream, that Harry Potter would one day be the most famous boy in the world, but she knew how hard it would be to get published. In fact, she was rejected 12 times before Bloomsbury published her book. Speaking of dreaming, she said, You've got to believe. I was someone with no self-confidence, and yet this was one thing I believed. It's this dream that evolved into J.K. Rowling becoming the first ever billionaire author, selling over 500 million books. But even more magically, she's since given up her billionaire status by gifting part of her fortune to charity. Don't forget to share your own business dream using hashtag Holly and Co Dreamer. To discover more about business plans, search Three Means Business. Now back to Conversations of Inspiration. I think that what's so inspiring now is that young people have so much choice and opportunity to follow the path less trodden, to build a business from their passions. So we're literally creating jobs of the future now. You know, it's why yeah. we have to think about mm. that video is only going to be the future. Voice activation is only going to be the future. VR, but then almost think, well, what's the yin to that yang? So mm. you've still got books, you've still got maybe physical experiences, so important. Why I have a cafe. What would you say to people who are listening, who might have kids or the younger generation bringing them up? What, what do you think about this in terms of, you know, um, you both didn't go to university, you know, you, you, you started your own venture, I didn't go to uni. Mm. What do you think that has done to this business today, that sort of freedom from the linear career path? So if we had kids, yeah. what would we yeah. be advising them on how yeah. to live their life? Oh, man. Well, for instance, well, if you employed okay. someone, you wouldn't want a first-class degree, right? Degrees are a funny one, because if you do get a CV and you've got like somebody who's got a degree from Oxford, it's like a shining beacon. Yeah. Um, however, a CV, like, like say, yeah, you might have a, a first-class honours from Oxford, but if you've got a million subs on YouTube, you know, that you've built yourself and you've put a lot of work into building, we'd be like, okay, goodness gracious yeah. me, this person's got, um, you know, Power. something about them, right? Well, they wouldn't yeah. want the job anyway. They wouldn't want the job anyway. <laughs> but I, I, like, one thing that I would say, if I was having a kid, I would teach them to be as curious as humanly possible. And also, because if you're curious, then you're interested in things and you're more adaptable, which is absolutely what you're going to need to be going forward. Because, like, the world in 10 years' time, as you said, is going to look a lot different to what it is now. And it looks a lot different now than what it did 10 years ago. 30 years ago, basically completely... Yeah, like, another planet. Yeah, a different yeah. planet. So be curious. Be curious. Yeah, I, and I'm thinking a lot about culture within our organisation. It's super small. It's just me, Ian, Kathy, and Charlie. Mm-hmm. Although we have some external teams that we work with as well mm-hmm. who are also kind of in the organisation. But I think rather than looking at... And maybe this is sometimes to our fault, you know, we don't always get it right. But rather than looking for the degree or even necessarily technical prowess in a particular subject, what we tend to hire for and what I want us to focus on more looking forward is honesty and integrity Mm -hmm. 
as number one. Yeah. So, you know, that is the holy grail main value that, that we need to have in our staff. Fundamentally good. Um, as Ian said, curiosity, or another way of looking at it would be um, a fast learner mm-hmm. or a keen learner. A work ethic as well. So a strong work ethic and someone who can also just work on their own. Someone who is able to just get on and do things without asking loads of questions. Those are the traits that I think we're going to be focusing on more in Mm. Bosch. Um, And actually, that's more important than a degree. Mm. A degree can obviously teach you amazing things. I didn't get one, so I don't know. But I've seen people who are absolute wizards with a degree. And I've seen people learn a full language on the back of an iPhone or learn the piano off YouTube. So it's like you can, (laughs) like learning is everywhere. It's just you Mm. need to be Mm. um, the sort of person who will get go ahead Mm. and do it. Absolutely. And that that honesty thing, right? If you're talking about YouTube and, and what works on YouTube... I mean, I think it was uh, Ernest Hemingway that said a writer gets a blank page and then looks at it and bleeds onto the page. Mm. And what people value on YouTube, that they can like smell it like a shark smells blood, is honesty. Mm-hmm. When you see someone talking to you through YouTube and giving absolute unbridled honesty, even if they're just sat there talking, mm. some people will get bored in a minute and move off. But if they stay... They are immediately buying into yeah. you mm. more than seeing some presenter-led nonsense where yeah. it's just pretend and it's too mm. scripted. So I think that honesty thing is absolutely the most important value for the, the future generation. Yeah, And it's it's going to be phenomenal, you know, bringing up a 15-year-old, will he be 15 soon, is this idea that actually his whole world, you know, people listening who are parents, their whole worlds are going to change. But if we can put these fundamental blocks in there, whereas before it used to be, how can you learn quicker? Mm. What pieces of paper can you get? How and that will be and that will be your value. Yeah. Whereas now we're actually having to go right back and install values for a future that we slightly don't know about. Curiosity, honesty, yeah. integrity, authenticity, thinking about being your own brand, thinking about what you're putting out on social media to now is going to affect you in 10 years time. Thinking about how you're going to have a multi-hyphenated career. You don't have to just have one. Going on to the future, what is the future? You're obviously now really doing some phenomenal things. Your TV stars, um, which aired the first time last Sunday on ITV, called Living on the Veg. I just love, (laughs) I love what you do. You had bus size, didn't you, when you had your book, Lose Your Veganity. That was cool, wasn't it? Yeah, Yeah, they were amazing. These are really cool lines and cool names. And and you had a a bus stop, didn't you, that was scented. And so you would see the food and you could go up to the poster. And smell it. And smell it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was actually being pumped out. So even if you just walked by it, you'd be like, hmm, what's Mm, that? What is that? Chocolate Chocolate cake. cake. That chocolate chocolate cake. cake. Yes, yeah. 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 It's fantastic. So, you're you're on TV. How does it feel? You're working that muscle. You're now TV presenters. Yeah, I mean, um, imposter syndrome, shall we say? Yes, <laughs> uh, absolutely terrifying. Uh, there's probably nothing harder that I've ever done in my life. I don't know if you'd say I, the I same would thing. Say the same. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 bonkers how how much pressure is on you when you're there. We were just like in somebody else's house, like it was a shoot kitchen. You've got 15 people watching you. You've got like uh, three cameras and then you have to be knowledgeable. You have to act properly. You have to um, be funny, be funny yeah. and engaging. You have to sort of keep your wits about you, not stumble your lines. Very, very difficult stuff. I know, obviously, like, it's not like you're not down a coal mine smacking the side of the, like, to pull the coal out. It's like, it's it's hard work, but it's different hard work, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think that's the most honor. important thing. It's like, over and above that, we like getting outside of our comfort zones. It was hard writing the first book because we were second guessing ourselves all the way through. Even with the first few times we did live TV, like in the UK or in America, mm. it's that's hard. Mm. It's just that this was hard for an extended three and a half weeks time. But the good thing that gets us through it is remembering this is the first time there's ever been a proper vegan TV cooking show, mainstream TV, Sunday mornings. Yeah. It's an absolute honour. We've got all of that responsibility. Yeah to make sure we deliver and maybe that added to the pressure but I think we got through it okay and maybe I almost had a breakdown maybe not but I was (laughs) I I was very I was very grateful for 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 Christmas um, which came after that and I suppose probably I don't know about you but for me I'm just my reflection after going away for Christmas was I need to make sure I'm getting breaks every three months or so to go away take stock and like sharpen the saw 
yeah. right? Go and think mm. about what we've done in the last mm. three months, what we're going to do in the next few months, mm. so that I don't get burnout because mm. that was definitely like, nearly what burnout last was like. year was utterly insane. We wrote <laughs> three books, we filmed a TV show, we did videos. There was a, there was a period of eighty days when we released two videos every single day. Oh yeah, we did um, all that vlogging, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, it was crackers. What else have we done last year? It's like we did. A bunch of stuff, and I think two, two UK tours and one American tour. Yeah, that's it. it, it like we we worked very very hard last year, and I think the like that I went away, Henry went away. We both had a bit of time to decompress, like he says. I think um, for the people who's listening to this, who are setting up businesses, bake in a bit of you time, mm. like because it's the best thing to sort of just relax, grow, think, write come back bang yeah. yeah take a notepad as well exactly. so you can write your it's, thoughts it's down. one of the pieces of advice i first got when at not high street was someone coming back to me and saying it's every three months right so every three months you do not have a summer holiday in a sort of you know just one holiday you need to if you work as you work as an entrepreneur or a small business it's every three months you basically plan that in into your quarters and it can be a week away it could be a weekend away it could be whatever it is you have to stop the thing I'd also say is the way you just worked you know you're three years old is exactly why you will be successful. Mm. So when you're, you know, you have now got to land grab, you know, you've, you are making a brand. Yeah. So, you know, in five, six years time, this hard work will pay off. Yeah. And, and, and I've seen it in all companies, you know, this dedication to that 24 hour day, seven days a week, hence why you need those three months mm. at break will pay off in the end because you in 10 years time won't be working like that but it's the foundations that you're creating in mm. your company yeah. I could talk to you all day I've had such a brilliant brilliant time thank you for your time I end all interviews with this analogy that running your own business is like being on an epic roller coaster <laughs> so what would you say if you were both sitting there you know with your vegan cookbooks on your lap and you've got the wind in your hair and you are dipping on that roller coaster what would you both say has been a low point in this journey a, oh a low point a low point <sighs> Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I can remember um, literally like crying on the roof in one of our offices uh, with Bev James, actually, our manager, who was helping me through a really, really difficult process, which was without going into lots and lots of detail, there were like after Bosch book number one came out yeah. and did well, everyone came out of the woodwork uh, to have a little poke at us, little piece to of pie. try and claim like a bit of what we'd right. built and what we'd largely built on our own. And so there were at one point two or three different very difficult legal conversations going on at the same mm. time. Um, so the, that was a pretty low point. Yeah. But we've ridden it out. Our manager was fantastic. And we've got a team of people around us from our publicist, Carver PR, to our manager, Bev James, and our publisher, Harper Collins, who are like exemplaries of a better way of doing mm. business, mm. who are like relationship building, mm. act with honour and supportive. Wow. And now and now you're up at the top of the roller coaster and a high point. Okay. Something that you just at, can't believe. Are we good at spotting these? I feel like yeah. I think it was Bev that said we're not very good at spotting yeah. these high points and she, she taking like, advantage of them. You need to take some podium moments, right? And this is maybe another thing that a lot podium of listeners. Moments. Yeah. Podium I love moment, that. Where you like say you're an athlete and you train every single day, you go eight hours a day, you yep. go in, 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 and then you run your race and you uh, and, and you win and you put yep. your arms at the air. You don't the second you finish your race just go cracking on and start training. Keep training. Yeah, you, 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 you don't do that immediately. Oh, I'm listening to you here. What, this what is you brilliant. have is yes. you, you go onto your podium, you stand there, and you take the adulation for a minute. You put your hands in the air and you feel really proud. And then you get down. You take a little bit of a t like a break, just let your muscles chill, and then you get back on it. Right. So podium moments important. I think one of the things that I would say that is a definite high point absolutely was when we launched our first book we put on a uh, a mini kind of festival at borough market called it bosch fest and we cooked live in front of all the people there's like 800 people there oh, it was it's a, it's a launch of a vegan cookbook right there's 800 people there and we're yeah. just like cooking food in front of them all these big tv screens got bosch everywhere and uh, it felt like whoa this is a big thing now all of our mates were there they're looking up like going 
guys, this is pretty big. And I, I remember distinctly, because I didn't go to university like Henry did either. My dad came up to me after and was like, well done, son, really proud of you. That felt like your graduation. And I think, uh, yeah, that for me is like a real standout, wonderful moment. Oh, yes. Brilliant. And just quickly, uh, a couple of people, one from each of you that have inspired you. Maybe someone that I could interview on this podcast. Okay, someone who I have um, kept a keen eye on uh, on social media for about the past six years and someone I hold, like, uh, she's like a heroine of mine, she, Lauren Singer. She runs a blog called Trash is for Tossers. And off the back of the success of her blog, Trash is for Tossers, and her kind of attitude towards sustainability and zero waste, um, she's had like six years. Every piece of trash that she's made in six years can fit in a regular sized mason jar. Right. And off the back of this, she's made a company called Package Free Shop. She's made a business out of allowing people to make better life choices and be more sustainable in their own life. So I think her, who's someone she who's... Fantastic. She is fantastic. She's really nice. Like, she, she, she I, she's going to go real far. A, the listeners should check her out, yeah. Trashes for Tossers, and you should try yeah. to get her on this I, podcast. What a great recommendation. Yeah. Beat that. No, just joking. Uh, <laughs> it's story of our life. <laughs> um, right, so Stephen Hawking. Let's start with him. Okay. Great. Great place to start. Mm. You can't interview him. Sadly, he passed away. But his recent book, Brief Answers to the Big Questions, is amazing. Now, that book, simple prose, concise writing. The book is thin. Mm. The letters are big and there's Mm. space between the lines. Mm. It's an absolute joy to read. This guy obviously lived the most incredible life. He had a debilitating illness, lost all the use of his body pretty much, and yet managed to travel through space from his brain and answer questions that the rest of us couldn't even fathom when he told us the answers. And yet he managed to distill that into books that are so simply written that, Mm. you know, anyone could read it. And so I just think what an example of how good a human Mm. can be. And also, not only that, but in the back of it, you have a tribute by his daughter. And he's now interred in Westminster Abbey, which would absolutely have made him joyed to know that next to Newton. And I just think like, what a beautiful book, perfectly written, summarising just what a human can do on this planet if they really put their mind to it. Mm. So Stephen Hawking, but you can't interview him, sadly. No, but you could we... get his daughter. Well, yeah, the show. That's a good idea. Yeah, read the what? book. I'm going to read, read the Read the book. ending. Try yes. not to cry. I cried. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I do cry a lot. Yeah. Actually. <laughs> um, I cry a lot too. She's great. Yeah. Good. I might cry in a minute because <laughs> I just want to thank you both. Just talking to you, you realise what you've got ahead of you, which is this phenomenal bright future because you've put your mission and your passion at the forefront. And it's a... Wonderful example, I think, of what the big businesses like you guys will be um, in the future. And I just cannot wait to follow your journey. And I'm just going to be on the sidelines with buying pom-poms, cheering you on. Um, and you're really lovely, lovely people. So thank you from the bottom of my heart thank for you very much. doing this interview. Same to you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, I'm so pleased. It's at time now where I'm going to hand over to you both to read um, a letter that I've asked you to prepare to your younger selves. Mm-hmm. So, Ian, fancy going first? Yes, I'll happily go first. OK, so, dear Ian... It's the beginning of 2020 and I'm sat in an office in a lovely area of West London called Chiswick. The office I'm sat in is an office I rent with my business partner, Henry Firth. Yup, you read that right. Henry Firth. I'm guessing that you didn't see that one coming, hey? (laughs) Just to fill you in a little, (laughs) Henry and I set up a company three and a half years ago and things have gone, well, rather well. The company is called Bosch and what we do is promote vegan food via social media, books and now on the television. Yup, that's right. You're a vegan now. And what's more, you're probably asking, what's social media? Well, Ian, I wouldn't want to ruin the surprise totally. But what I will say is social media will change the world and it will fundamentally change your life. You're 15 and I'm 35. I'm a full 20 years older than you. So I'm going to talk to you honestly and hope you take something from it. You're kind. You're generous and you're caring. These are the best traits of your character. Whatever you do, don't change. In that sense. You're extremely lucky. Your parents both love you dearly and would literally do anything for you. Don't underestimate that. It's rare and it's setting you in really good stead for the future. 
Yes, they piss you off occasionally, but whenever they say no, they say it for good reason. And when they encourage you to work harder and push yourself further, they say it because they see your potential and want you to make a success out of yourself. Your sister looks up to you. You're her big brother and she thinks you're great. Be nice to her. She deserves it because she's a little star. You have a bloody good bunch of people around you. You don't know it now, but your school friends are going to stay with you for a long, long time. It's rare, so cherish them. They've got your back, so make sure you have theirs. Don't underestimate yourself. Your home life and close group of friends has given you stability and provides you with an incredibly strong foundation to build on. You're smart, popular, and talented, but please, whatever you do, don't take these attributes for granted. Don't let your lazy streak get the better of you. If you apply yourself and work hard, you have it in you to achieve great things. Don't let shyness or lack of confidence get in your way. On the flip side of this, be humble and gracious, because arrogance is definitely not a virtue. It's definitely not too late to start playing an instrument, not at all. If you start now, by the time you're my age, you'll be really good, and it will have been worth it. It's also not too late to learn a different language. Again, by the time you're my age, you'll be fluent, and that's a cool thing to have in your locker. Read more. Feed your natural curiousness. Fill your head full of knowledge. The more you read, the more you'll know, and the more you know, the more you're interesting you'll become. Okay, I'm rambling, so I'm going to wrap this up now. But remember what I've written here, and please always strive to be the best version of yourself. I am relying on you. All the best. Much love, Ian. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> oh, I'm going to play that to my son. Thank yeah, okay. you. It's brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> Great. Over to you, Henry. I closed my eyes then. I was like in the zone. I was as well. Yeah. It's just brilliant. <laughs> okay, here goes. A letter to my younger self, a.k.a. Henry, aged 24 years old, working in a job he didn't like, not particularly vibing in his day-to-day -day life. Hey, Henry. Everything is going to work out. You're going to find a way to be happy in your life and every day is going to get better as you get older. You have a fire in your belly. Can you feel it? Burning for progress, output and recognition. There are some parts of that fire that are good and helpful. And if you can tune into those, you'll be able to build them in your life. Things like striving for change, strong work ethic, a gentle desire to self-improve. Tune into those flames and focus on them daily. There are some parts of that fire that are not so good and unhelpful. And if you keep them, they'll make you unhappy and discontent. Things like a desire for recognition, quick results and feeling inadequate as you are. Learn to recognise those flames and let them go from the fire. I'm writing to you from 10 years in your future and I've got some advice for you. Perhaps reading this will help you feel better in your day to day life and perhaps it won't. Either way is fine, as everything's going to turn out okay. Number one, find routine. Find a free and easy daily practice for your mornings. This small adjustment will be more powerful than any boot camp. Go to bed early so you can get up early. Find a way to get some exercise, mindfulness and thoughtfulness in before you start your day of work. Track your life. Number two, write in a journal. The daily habit of writing will help you keep track of your life as it unfolds. It'll help you to learn and maintain a dialogue with your destiny. And it'll help you become a better storyteller. Find a notebook and pen and get started sooner rather than later. Number three, find time for fun. Discover places. Go on holidays. Have experiences, not things. The things you'll remember will be these off moments when you get outside of your day-to-day -day and explore the world. Find new activities and experiences and try something new whenever you get the chance. Number four, stay true to you. You're absolutely right to feel that you're better than the job you're in. It's absolute bullshit, but it's teaching you helpful things that will guide you through parts of your future. Learn what you can, build strong relationships, but also keep looking for something better. Trust me, you'll find it. Number five, learn and simplify. Keep learning as you absolutely love to do, but be sure to simplify. Focus on fewer things. You'll meet teachers along the way. Distill their wisdom into the good bits and keep them, and the bad bits and leave them. Find just the right help when you need it and move on, but avoid analysis paralysis. Don't get stuck in a mire trying to learn everything. Just simplify the good bits, then move on.
Number six, find great people. The best things are done by teams. Everything you do of value will happen through other people and working in a team. Nothing is achieved by a solitary island. Meet people, talk to people, keep in touch with them. Ask questions. Seek friends, allies and co-founders. Forgive your enemies. And that's it. I hope that helps guide you through the next 10 years. Trust me, everything's going to work out just fine. Stay true to yourself and find quiet times for self-reflection and peace. Being comfortable in your silence is more important than being bold in your noise. Henry. Woo! Woo! Very good. (laughs) Wow. Love that. Be comfortable in your silence. Yeah, thank you very much. I'm, thank I'm, you. As, as ever, I come into these amazing interviews um, and I always leave feeling like I've met friends and people who I just, just yeah, I admire you greatly and I think you're going to just have this incredible future and we're all behind you. Thank, thank you. you. And likewise, you. it was absolutely <laughs> a pleasure. In fact, did it feel a bit like a support group? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but not in a, like, in a good way. Before you go, here's a little more about Backer Business. Last year, NatWest's CEO, Alison Rose, wrote the Rose Review and discovered that if women launched and scaled businesses at the same rate as men, it would represent an untapped £250 billion opportunity for the UK economy. Isn't that unbelievable? So they created Backer Business, managed by Crowdfunder. This programme will match fund up to a million pounds a year, creating hundreds of successful applicants when they crowdfund through Backer Business. To find out more information, search NatWest Backer Business. And if you've enjoyed this conversation, if it has helped you along your own journey or inspired you, would you mind rating and reviewing this episode and podcast? Your support means the world and it really does spread the word and will help inspire even more people to build a life they love. Bow your head and let your eyelids close on down Where we're going you won't need to bring your frown You will find that all the things that I have said Will come to when you are lying in your bed And if you want your friends to come